Hello and welcome to The Doncast, a podcast all about Doncaster. We'll be bringing you interesting conversations that entertain and educate from people across the Doncaster region. If it's happening in Doncaster, it needs to be on the Doncast. Today on the Doncast, I've got Kurt Ewald Lindley. Kurt's going to tell us all about his story, what he does, why he does, and how he does. It's a really interesting conversation about learning, development, and finding a way through difficult times. So it might be quite relevant for what the whole country and actually the world's going through right now. It's well worth a listen. You can stay up to date with everything about the Doncast on our brand new Facebook page. If you just type in the Doncast, you'll find it. We're also on Instagram at the Doncast. And you can listen to the audio version across all of the major podcasting platforms. You can find video versions of the Doncast on the Facebook page and the new YouTube channel. The Doncast is sponsored by Market Asset Management. And soon it'll be recorded from our very own brand new podcast studio at the Wool Market in Doncaster. But for now, I'm your host, David Shaw. I'm in my one-year-old bedroom recording it over a Zoom call. Here's the conversation with me and Kurt. So I'm joined today by Kurt Lindley. Now, I won't introduce you, Kurt. I'll let you do that for yourself, and we'll get straight into it. So who are you, and what are you about? Uh, who am I? I think um, I like to add in it's Kurt Aval Lindley. Um, the reason I have to add in Aval is because I spent many years as a kid trying to spell my own name, <clears throat> and I struggled with the fact that everybody else thought it was Edward, and it's not, it's Dutch-German, it's Eivald. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a Doncaster lad. I was born in South Africa, ironically. So I say born in South Africa, but brought up in Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I suppose I, I, I work in all things people development and learning and uh, contribute, hopefully, to the Doncaster economy. Oh, good. I do notice that you're everywhere. And everyone seems to know you. You know, Kurt, with the glasses. If you're listening to audio, by the way, uh, you're going to have to follow Kurt in a minute when he tells you his, his handles. Because I think where I may get recognised from time to time because of my hat, I reckon it's the glasses for you. And well, it's, it's, know you. <laughs> it's a strange one because you get recognised for the glasses and over time it's like it goes from the guy with white glasses to... Oh yeah, the guy who asks questions with white glasses to oh oh that's Kurt, and then hopefully now it's just Kurt or Kurt Aval Lindley if you know if we're really friendly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't call you that yet, so I'm not sure we're that friendly. Um, so with your job, then just to delve a bit deeper to get people to give a bit of understanding, it's like consultancy work. You find, you identify problems. Or, or you, you, problems are brought to you and you identify solutions. What type of areas and domains do you operate in? Where have you worked before? That type of stuff. Yeah, so that's probably accuracy. People bring something to the table. So I, um, I predominantly work in business, um, sport and education. Um, the reason I work across those three domains is like um, investments. Spread your investments because if one falls down, the other two still stand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see now in COVID, um, businesses are like um, running on empty. Uh, sport is only going back into its world where schools are still um, open and things are happening there. So I've spread my bets. So I've got opportunities there. But yeah, I work in all things kind of, I suppose, people development, learning and development. And it is that idea of um, what's going on for you. What's the challenge that you're facing? 
how do you know that's your challenge? What evidence exists to prove that your story that you're telling me is the, is the one that's actually occurring? And then, yeah, how do, we, how do we work out how to move forward? And some of that is um, it's, uh, what you might refer to as the minimum effective dose. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, let's try to fix all the problems and let's throw lots of things at this, it's trying to understand what's the one thing that we can identify that can have the greatest impact and possibly a knock-on effect on everything else so we don't try and fix everything. We just try and work on the thing that's going to have the greatest impact with the smallest amount of investment of energy and time. Mm-hmm. I love it. Would you like to give us a little run through of something that I find very interesting that you're, you've started and uh, hopefully continue doing is the round table of different types of people. Obviously you don't have to go into who's at the round table, but the concept of the round table that you've been doing that we we've spoke about uh, because you yeah, were mates as well <laughs> off uh, offline. Um, <laughs> yeah tell us about that because i find it really interesting i think there might be people listening that want to might want to get involved in something like that yeah so um there's two parts of it one is um it's basically a a closed group to start with in terms of um uh, let's say executives directors ceos uh, from the doncaster area but all working in different businesses so there's no competitive edge um there's some familiarity in terms of knowing each other because they're from the same area but they don't necessarily know how each other's business is running and all we do is we cover uh, topics of relevance to, 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 the, to the group and um, challenge thinking and ask people to ask themselves questions, see where they can go in terms of vulnerability, but also about building kind of like a sense of confidence or a sense of um, collective kind of support. Mm-hmm. And the second part to that is um, as we grow the numbers is to actually open this up to become maybe six to 12 people actually round the table and dealing with provocations which we can kind of film and, and, and share where we can say, well, is this right or wrong? You know, if your moral purpose is telling you X, but you have to make this decision that goes against that, how are you going to deal with it and see how the room responds to it and how people um, deal with that particular challenge. So we can start to really grow people's kind of, I suppose, uh, ability to deal with difficult situations because they will occur. So let's just do, do it before it happens. Let's get ready for it before it happens. Mm. I think it's a brilliant concept because, um, there's that old cliche in there that it's lonely at the top and I'm not saying that everybody in there is like at the top of some uh, dodgy hierarchy or whatever but they're people that do have to make tough decisions on a regular basis and that's when you're in a position where you have to make tough decisions on a regular basis you, you haven't always got somebody just there to bounce ideas off and like you know what, what would you do because generally the people that you're making tough decisions around are the people that are around you and you can't always share all the information so having somewhere to go like a support network for people that have been in similar situations to yourself I think it's an incredible idea and honestly it's one of those things why has no one been doing this before or if they have how come no one knows about it well, the thing is, it's not, it's not new. It's something that is done, but it's generally done like in big cities with larger organizations. And my thing is like, why aren't we doing it in Doncaster? And if we are doing it, I've not seen it. I've not heard of it. Maybe it's a secret underground group that I'm not aware of. Yeah, we haven't um, been yet, mate. Yeah, we haven't got the special kind of black ball opportunity. We haven't got those connections on LinkedIn yet. <laughs> but, but yeah, like it's, you know, I, I, I am, I am a, an advocate of Doncaster, and, and if that means um, creating spaces for leaders in Doncaster um, to feel more confident and skilled in their roles by having a real uh, relevant conversation space with other people working at the same level where they know it's kind of a non-disclosure thing. The top stuff we talk about in this room stays in this room, mm-hmm. um, and it's not necessarily about what would you do in the situation. It might be how would this situation make you feel? 
how would you respond to it when you're at your highest point what's that like what's it like getting knocked off the highest point you know how do you take people along with you on that journey so those questions being asked between people who start to really trust each other is far more powerful than reading any leadership book and trying to kind of understand a model or a process or an approach yeah. it's felt experiences i think real leadership isn't learned from a book not from a textbook it's through experiences and it's through uh, understanding listening it's almost like i like um, something that i've heard once where they said they were like a ceo of a business and they basically say i work for my employees not the other way around so there's a lot of listening that goes on so that they can then lead in the best way and i like things like that i think you're it's almost like you're you're a fixer you're an enabler you do. You seem to do a lot of self selfless. I nearly said selfish. That's not what I meant. Um, a lot of selfless. Act, like your job is all about how can I boost people? How can I make people, experiences, workplaces a better place? Which leads me on to the next question: Why do you do what you do? Uh, yeah. So we had a little chat about this before we got into the conversation and on reflection. There's probably two things worth sharing. One is. Um, I'm kind of like, uh, I've been challenged in my own kind of experiences of life. And one of those is around actually a learning kind of thing. So I have dyslexia and I found naturally life has, has provided me with a series of challenges from reading out loud, reading in front of audiences, processing information, trying to respond to difficult situations without emotion because people are not understanding me. And it's taken me a while to get the maturity to understand sometimes I need to change the way I share things for other people to hear it. So sometimes we can have the best idea, the greatest thing that needs to be used or understood or utilized by other people, but they can't hear us. So we might have to step forward and go, okay, what can I do about making my message heard? And that's kind of one of the parts that why I do what I do. I don't want people to be in the same situation I was in, where I thought I had a really good thing to offer, but nobody could understand me. Yeah. Uh, and the other part is um, why do I do it here? So I'm trying to do it more and more in Doncaster because Doncaster is the town that my daughter will grow up in. Doncaster is the town that she will get her first job in. Doncaster is the town that she might find herself growing to be a uh, student in as she's older, a uh, leader if she chooses that, you know, a parent herself as she grows. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking this as a, it's my responsibility then as her parent to do what I can to make sure that Doncaster is the best place to be then she won't want to leave. She'll want to invest in it. Um, and why am I in that situation? There's a bit of dark and light in this. The light is that I'm grateful for my situation and what I've got. The dark being, um, I lost my wife sort of um, five years ago. And it's just me and my daughter. I'm a solo parent. And I've got to make some really serious and strong decisions about how we spend time together. So I'm present for her and that I can then generate the right income to pay the bills that need to be paid, but allow me to be the parent I need to be and allow us to create a future that she can grow into, that she can really, really uh, know that her father's been part of rather than that I've been passive in. And that's kind of, I suppose, the, the what's behind why I do what I do. Yeah. Uh, I really like that, obviously, you've gone through one of the things that it's, it's, it's up there in terms of the worst thing that could possibly happen to somebody. And you've come out like a shining light, almost like you've thought, right, it's up to just me now for your daughter and it's like so i'm really gonna take the ball by the horns and do what i can but in that you've not gone 
I'm going to try and change the world. You've gone, I'm going to try and change the environment around me. And then that will make it better for my daughter growing up because that environment will be a little bit better. And then maybe depending what path she chooses to go down, most likely a similar one to you, I would expect um, with your parenting style. Um, she'll then continue that work on. Hey, there might be a point where you're both advocates of Doncaster together when she's older. Who knows? No, I was going to say, like, you know, hopefully, hopefully. And even if she doesn't, I want to know that I, I did something for the community I was in. Like, I can't moan about the bins or the, the rubbish around here or the graffiti if I'm not part of the solution. Do you know what I mean? I've got to put something into that. And that's where I'm, I suppose I'm coming from is I've decided I'm going to ground myself in Doncaster and I'm going to invest my energy here. Because... I must admit, in those early days, there was that kind of uh, walk, walking the line going, well, you could do something quite drastic and actually not, not look after yourself and not do good things. Mm. Or you could do this like world challenge. You could, nobody would, you know, people, people wouldn't question if I got on a bike and decided to ride around the world and say, look at the money I'm raising for charity and look what I'm mm. doing for a big national organization. But that isn't about Doncaster. That isn't about the place I come home to. That isn't about where my daughter will grow up in. So it's really important for me to now focus on that. I, I think it's fantastic. I uh, There's some similarities, probably why we've spoke, obviously the, the podcast and the audience that we're reaching today probably don't know that, but we've had many conversations. And I really like when you do talk about there's no moaning unless you're coming up with a solution. Like it's, it's no good saying, oh, this is rubbish, that's rubbish, and the other's rubbish. I mean, that's what people on Facebook tend to do now and again, let's all be honest. Um, but if you're not coming up with any solutions or you're not trying to change something, it's a bit, I mean, I'd, am I allowed to say this? It's like pissing in the wind. It's, it's a bit pointless, really, isn't it? And, it? and it only just makes you feel and look a bit silly on the internet, really. When I like, obviously, your story is, is incredible. Not many people will be able to relate to that level, but they'll understand, wow, this is an incredible, inspiring story. Um, not quite as inspiring, but I do like to think with myself, like we've discussed before, I saw the job that I'm in now, I saw gaps and I thought, oh, let's maybe not moan about this. And I was involved with people that could and were moaning about it. I thought, maybe, maybe I'm, I can be part of the solution here. Maybe I've got something to offer to make this better rather than moan. And then a little bit later, here I am talking to you under the umbrella of the Doncast run by Doncaster Market. So it's, yeah, I find it really inspiring. We'll take this moment, I think, before going on to the next couple of questions. Um, where can we find you online? Probably the best place is on Twitter, and uh, the handle is at Coach Developer. And the re reason I say on Twitter is um, that's probably where I'm most active because it's more of a conversation space. And like, don't don't just go, oh look, there he is. Say hello. Like, I'm I'm an approachable dude. You know, have a chat. Like, just give me a nudge. Obviously, if you search Kurt Avald Lindley, there's not many of us. You'll find, <laughs> you'll find me on LinkedIn. You'll find me somewhere on the internet. But yeah, at Coach Developer on, on Twitter. And, and like, I, mean, I invite you to have a conversation. Yeah. You're, I feel you're, you're on Twitter like I, I'm on Instagram. I'm just all yeah. about the engagement. I'm like, come on, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Well, that's, I'm, it's as if I'm, yeah, I'm an attention seeker. Let's just put it out there. <laughs> talk, talk to us on all of the socials. But yeah, mainly for you, it's Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us, we should probably say this right now at the Doncast. Facebook's probably going to be the best place to get in touch with us. Um, so, And this is probably where this is getting put out right now. So if you're on Facebook, like the page, comment down below. Let us know your, what, what you're taking from this conversation. That would be quite good. 
So on to the next uh, last few questions that I've got. Um, obviously, 2020 has been absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's been awful. But there's, it's not all been bad. I think there's a lot of positives that we can take from it. But from your perspective, maybe your work life, your home life, um, what's been your biggest challenge this year? Big, biggest challenge, I think, is believing in yourself. Like, I resigned from a really well-paid job. And I know people say that, look at me, I resigned from really, but no, I, I made that decision because I needed to walk my daughter to school. But what that meant is I gave away a sense of safety. I gave away that security of a monthly income, a pension, sick pay, you know, health benefits, all that sort of stuff. And I did it because I wanted to walk my daughter to school. And I had the, probably the most successful January and February I've ever had in terms of working for myself. And I, I, thankfully, I banked a decent amount of money as a consequence. Mm. And then COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and from March right through till September, like, you know, you could, you, it was like a desert in terms of like activity of paid work, let's say. And I think during that period, for most people probably working in leadership and, and people development, it's that sense of, have I made the right decision? Am I doing the right thing for my family? Am I good enough at my job? Am I being a good enough human in this space? And I had to keep coming back to, do I believe in myself? And if I don't, what is it I need to do to find that belief? So for me, the biggest challenge was, you know, remaining faithful to what I'm trying to do, my cause and, and my reason for, for kind of working in this space. Mm. Was there ever a moment during that time where you were like, I might genuinely have to go out and get a job, just any job, just to tide me over a couple of months? Or would you have seen that as a, as a bit, no, I need to really believe in myself? Did you just like kind of grit your teeth and think, no, I'm getting through this? So, so before all of this happened, um, as I was resigning, I remember a conversation with a friend who was getting into buying property. And he, and he was talking about when you buy a property to rent out, the bank will often say, have you got six months worth of mortgage in the bank to pay for that property? Should somebody not move in? Um, and that was a question that stood with me in terms of if I resign from my work, have I got six months salary in the bank to carry me over? Should no work appear? So I didn't get to the point of worrying about getting a job because I'd made provision for not having money for six months. Yeah. So I was, I was, I suppose I was one of the lucky ones in that sense because I banked that money, but that isn't to say that I wouldn't be prepared to go from anything from delivering newspapers. I mean, like I, I brought up in golf or I used to deliver the penny paper weekender um, every, every, <laughs> every week uh, with my father and my brother, like walking the streets. Now we weren't the group that dumped them over the railway lines. I promise oh, you that. Uh, I was. <laughs> my paper round got half done very well very well the half that i did do <laughs> no no i can imagine that there's the i think everybody's had some tough tough conversations with themselves over 2020 and and obviously any job is a good job so just yeah. to put that out there um i'm not saying oh you just gotta go and get any old job kind of thing because having any job is a good thing it's always good um do you have anything to plug while we've got you today having this conversation? So not necessarily to anything that I'm doing that I want to plug. I think the thing I want to plug is by Doncaster. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but the reality is we've got some really, really good people in Doncaster, whether it be plumbers, builders, um, learning and development practitioners, uh, business people, uh, independents who, who are, who are postcode living in Doncaster but the good ones happen to be getting their work in the cities outside. 
they're off to mm. London, they're off to Sheffield, Manchester, Leeds, stuff like that. Because for some reason, there isn't enough Doncaster businesses buying from Doncaster people. So what I'd say is, if you are out there and you're looking for somebody to work in any of those areas, for me, it's people development, learning and development, anything along those lines, have a look at your directory from the Doncaster postcode and buy somebody locally. At the very least, you're spending money in a town that's going to keep circulating. So that pound that you put in my bank, yes. I will spend in Doncaster shops. And the second part of that is we've got a kind of a, a, a pandemic, not just in COVID, but in, uh, we've got also like um, greenhouse issues and you know ecological challenges and all that sort of stuff. So if you're keeping me off the trains, you're keeping me off um, the, the motorway in my car and keep me walking to businesses in the Doncaster area, you're good for the climate, aren't you, as well? So yeah. that can't be bad. No, I, I agree. Obviously, me representing Doncaster Market, the wool market, and just generally trying to promote Doncaster, as you've just done there. I think going back to something that, that I alluded to earlier on about the silver lining of bad situations, I think that is one thing that's come out of 2020 is people are starting to genuinely think, hang about, I really need to, you know, when the chips are down, I need to support our own. And like our own being, I live in Doncaster, I need to support Doncaster businesses. I need to really, you know, I need to maybe less of the Asda Tesco's and all the rest of it when I can go to my local butcher who actually lives in my village. Uh, you know, things like that. It, it's, And I do think, I think we saw it, First lockdown, uh, March, we saw a huge influx of people to the market to support the market. The market stayed open. Um, it's well documented. I'm not, uh, I hope it's not liable or anything like that, but the supermarkets basically panicked, didn't know what to do or, or couldn't do the things that they should do and ran out of loads of stuff. Luckily for us, our market businesses, the supply chains they've got were absolutely incredible. And a big shout out must go out to all of our food retailers in particular. I know the, the retail people had to close and all the rest of it, but the food retailers have stayed open through the entire year. And some of them have absolutely smashed it throughout this year. So that is a big silver lining. And that's also a big high five to um, the people of Doncaster, the community of Doncaster, because they did come out and support their own. This mini second lockdown not not as much because I think the supermarkets as well were well were well prepared um, better for this one. Um, but those people that did come out, I hope some of them are sticking around because it is important, as you've just said there, to support local the local economy and and just your whole story about what you're doing about if I can change my my environment, my close environment of Doncaster for the better. It's better for me. It's better for the kids. It's better for everybody around us. And we can't necessarily change the world, but if you can just change around your town, things will improve for you and the people around you for sure. So I've got a bit of a contentious piece here in terms of that. So I would have originally said, yeah, yeah, you've got to buy from the local shops and stuff like that, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I do buy from Sainsbury's and Tesco's and the large organizations. But I'm okay about that. Do you know why? Because they employ local people. So I used to work at Sainsbury's in Doncaster when I was 16. I worked there till I was 21. And that paid for me to go through university. So I'm not saying don't spend in um, the large chains. What I'm saying is let's try and balance how we spend our money. Let's yeah. try and think that we can spread it across. Again, if you spread your bets, you're making more places more successful collectively rather than one person becoming more rich and the poor becoming more poor or the, the ones that are stretched being more stretched. So it's more about spreading your bets and saying, 
this extra fiver that I've got, where can I spend it? If I don't normally spend it locally, let me spend it locally. Because mm-hmm. the more people that spend that fiver locally, you know, you might spend not not change anything else about your spending, but you just take that five pound a week and spend it locally that you didn't traditionally spend locally. Um, and I'm talking like your local grocers and stuff like that. Yeah. That in itself can have a massive impact on local economy. Of course. That's what Kurt's saying. I'm saying shop at the bloody market. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, but that's the value of quality kind of relationship that we don't always kind of like agree on no I do I do about. agree but the market pays my wages <laughs> hey I'm taking my fight I'll tell you what the fruit and veg that you get on the, on the market and the fact that it's like just the old school sound of someone shouting out the price of goods and you're trying to listen into the language I mean I remember as a kid my dad taking me um, to the fishmongers and sitting there watching him eating like mussels and thinking, oh my God, what is that? Yeah. This is an experience. So when you go to the market, you're not buying food, you're buying an experience. And people oh. need to remember that going to a supermarket is great. It's, the, it's easy, convenient. You can grab it off the shelf, put it in trolley, come out the other end, done. That's one experience. And that's sometimes what you need. Going to the market for us was like a day out. My dad used to work away. So when he'd come off the train at Doncaster, we'd meet him at the train station. The first place he'd go would be to Doncaster Market, fishmongers, and we'd sit there on little chairs they had in front of the fishmongers, and he'd sit there with his little pick, toothpick, yeah, getting yeah. these in, and I'd sit there, and he'd try and get me to eat, and I'd be like, no, I'm not having this. But I can still remember that vividly. And that's a wonderful, wonderful memory and experience. So we, we want these places to stay open, but it's about shared value, like shared investment. Yeah, 100% agree. The only... The only thing supermarkets have in terms of getting close to the experience is probably Aldi. The way those checkout people throw <laughs> stuff at you. I mean, that's an experience, but no, 100% correct. That's, that's something that my job is, as well as being this podcast host and the rest of it, is showing people that the market is an experience. It's an experience of supporting local businesses. There's literally no downside to supporting, to supporting your own. Um, so that brings us to the last question. Um, it's been a, a really good chat. I really like this because what obviously this podcast is is going to be designed to do is to speak to loads of people like yourself Kurt, across Doncaster, lots of different interesting people with interesting stories and, and things to say. Um, and I'm really happy that you've joined me for the first ever. When the how this gets published, we don't yet know, but we're just going for it. We're diving straight and we want to make this the number one podcast in Doncaster and the only one to come to. Um, but we're, we're at the end of the last question. Yeah, we're, we're at the end of the podcast and here's the last question. What would you like for Christmas? Casio watch. A Casio watch? So you obviously, you're listening, so you won't be able to see, but I'll show now to the screen a beautiful pink Casio watch. Now these nice. things cost between 10 and 15 quid. And I just love the idea of having like as many of these in different colours as possible. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. There's just something about it. Like the, like it's affordable and it's accessible and it's, I don't know. It's like part of your outfit. So yeah, I'm looking forward. I know my mum's bought me one, so I'm dead happy about that. <laughs> How do you know if you've been rummaging in cupboards? Oh, no, I found, no, it. I found because, it. Because, because, because somebody else said, Oh, I think I'm back. I'm going to get you one of these, but I better check with your mom and my mom. And she's gone, Oh, I can't get you that. Cause your mom's already. So I don't know what color it is, but I know one's coming. So it's still exciting. 
because you've got yes. to see what colour it is. So that is that's still exciting. Well, listen, Kurt, thank you very, very much. I do genuinely appreciate this. I think you're such an interesting person, not just because we're friends away from this. <laughs> no, genuinely, you're such an interesting person. You're an inspiring person. Um, after every conversation I have with you, I feel more motivated to do things. And I like to, I like to think of myself as quite a motivated person. You give me an extra 10, 15 percent. Um, so thank you for that. I think that people listening to this all uh, resonate with a lot of what you've said. Um, so follow Kurt. There'll, there'll be show notes, uh, descriptions. There'll be all sorts of stuff to be able with the links to follow Kurt. There'll be the, all the links to follow the Doncast. And um, and that's it. Any last words, Kurt, before I uh, press stop? Don't miss out on the next one because I'm sure the next person after me will be better. <laughs> oh, uh, wait, I mean, yeah, they might. Yeah, they will be. Everybody will listen be. to the next one as well. <laughs> no, thank you very much, mate. Uh, and thank you for everybody for tuning in. Uh, lots more of these to come. We've got the podcast studio opening early 2021. Kurt will be back there and we'll get you back in and we'll experience the entire new studio that will be able to be rented out, by the way, for other Doncaster people and surrounding areas that want to come and uh, have their, you know, dip their toes into the podcast world. Um, and that's that so thank you very much for listening see you in a bit see you Kurt thanks mate bye <laughs> right, let's press start <laughs>